What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Questions You Never Thought to Ask, the Whitewater Kayak Podcast. My name is Seth Ashworth, and this week I am speaking with former freestyle kayak world champion James Pringle Bevington on the impact that eating vegetables had on him winning Freestyle Kayak World Championships in 2011. Before we get started on what I think you're going to enjoy as a pretty fun and informative podcast, I just want to say a big thank you and shout out to the people who support this podcast via my Patreon channel. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform where you're able to chip in a couple of dollars every month to kind of help keep this running and you get early access to the podcast. So whenever I record them, I usually get them on on the Patreon channel basically that same day, but they might not come out publicly online for a few weeks after that in some cases. So a good little opportunity to help keep this podcast going and also get to hear it before anyone else. So that's like a little little bonus for you. But I really appreciate the support of those people and I would not be able to do this podcast without them. So big shout out to those people. And yeah, that's all I've got for this week. Enjoy. I think you're going to like this podcast. I enjoyed filming it um, both times. So go check out patreon.com slash Seth Ashworth to support this one and get early access. Yeah, thanks. This week, I'm joined by James Pringle Bebbington, world champion freestyle kayaker and enthusiastic vegetable eater. We're about to start this podcast, and I just want to preface it by saying that we've been talking for 25 minutes, and I forgot to press record. So if at any point it's Pringle and I pushing through a conversation, it's because we've literally just had this conversation, and I am too stupid to have pressed record correctly the first time. So I'm sorry, um, but Pringle and I are going are to recover some ground. So Pringle, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Seth. Welcome back to the podcast, I feel like I should say. Um, Ringle, do you want to run us through a, a bit of an overview? Um, I mentioned you're a world champion freestyle kayaker, and I mentioned you're an enthusiastic vegetable eater. Do you want to run us through a bit of a, an overview of your um, kayaking career from uh, from Ute to now? Sure. So um, I started kayaking about 24 years ago. So I started when I was eight years old, and I pretty much did freestyle kayaking uh, as my main focus from the start I did some rivers and stuff but my main focus has always been um freestyle that's kind of where my heart's lied and did pretty well as a junior so I was on the I think I first made the Great Britain team for freestyle in 2004 and then I was basically going to world championships and European championships in alternate years ever, ever since but with a few years gap in the middle um and I kind of forgot what I'm saying um, you were uh, just telling us about how you were a youth from, uh, where are you from, Lancaster? Oh, yeah, got it. yeah, and then, so I switched to what's, what you, I might have heard a bit about is I, for the most part, eat a raw vegan diet that I've been doing now since 2010. And I started to do that with the primary goal of helping my performance in freestyle as the run up to the World Championships. And as Seth mentioned, I was very fortunate that I was able to win uh, World Championships in 2011 in Platling, Germany and the World Cup the year before. And um, the, the World Championships was, I think, prime was a large part of that, was the switch to looking after my own health in the couple of years leading up to it, and then culminating in switching to a raw diet, a sort of trying to just be the healthiest and fittest I could be, really. Um, it's a very condensed overview of my, my paddling. Uh, yeah, life, I think really. I think uh, I I feel so terrible that I we spoke about <laughs> this in more depth and I forgot to press record. I I feel like such an idiot right now. 
But um, I, I feel like the key points I wanted to run back over were when you went from being called um, James Bebbington to when you went to being called James Pringle Bebbington and the the origin story of your uh, nickname, which uh, is is the name I knew you as only for a long time. Um, can you run us through how that happened? Like, how old were you when you became Pringle? How did that come about? Who are you running with? Where were you paddling at that time? Sure. So, um, back, back then, I was about I was about fourteen when I got named Pringle, and it happened because um, I was had like a real little group of friends that we, we used to paddle uh, all the time. It was kind of like a northern bunch of paddlers. So we had um, Rob Sellers, uh, Ed Smith from Scotland, and a Norfolk kayaker called. Uh, Matt Smith and then Rosie Cripps from Scotland and we were sort of paddling together regularly and that summer we'd all sort of decided that we were going to spend the whole, entire six weeks of our summer holidays at the White Water Course in Nottingham and just paddle every day and we were all staying in Ed's uh, parents caravan and I was also I think the worst ability wise of our little groups so of course I took a little bit more of the jokes than, and banter than, than the others and uh, I can't remember exactly uh, how I got named it. So there's two stories that I'm not sure if it was both of them added together or one of them. You'd ha- I think if you asked Ed, he'd give you the definitive uh, answer. But I think Ed's favorite version as to how I got called it was that I, he, they bet me to eat like t- a fly on top of a Pringle or something. And I did it. I think for like a pound or something, not something not very much. Old, old party Pringle. <laughs> Uh, or the other one was I just turned up with like two packets of Pringles and not very much money to last me the entire summer and either way one way or another they decided that they were going to call me Pringle and of course being named after a packet of crisps wasn't perhaps the most inspiring nickname when you're a 14 year old but because I think I disliked it so much initially it of course stuck uh, like a fly to uh, flypaper and of course, over the years, I grew to love it. And that's kind of what everyone in paddling's known me as ever since. To, to the point, I think, that when I'd be away paddling for months and months at a time, when I'd be around my parents, the only people who really called me James at the time, it would take me a little bit of time to respond because I got so used to people calling me Pring or Pringle. And of course, now I have it on the, I've had it on the bottom of my boat since 2010. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely become, it's def- I'm definitely warm to it. Yeah, I would say probably for the first at least year that I knew you, maybe two years, I didn't know your first name was James. Um, <laughs> so it, it's interesting how those nicknames can stick sometimes. And uh, it's good that you've em- embraced your one. And to, we talked a little bit about the, the Rat Pack crew you had as a, as a kid there. And there was a time in your like early teen, uh, sorry, early 20s, late teens, where it was a bit, bit more like Party Pringle and you had a different Rat Pack crew of friends who were pretty down to spend some time at the bar you spent a lot of time in uganda which um has a strong off off water party scene as well as a strong on the water kayaking scene and i know you got sick a lot while you were there can you expound a bit on your time in uganda that time as like kind of party pringle and then how you got away from that yeah so i kind of skipped over a bit but um, when i was i did pretty well as a junior and then a few things happened is that when I sort of moved up the scene, so I was still doing all right, I was still doing well in the UK, but obviously it gets a lot harder when you're having to compete against EJ and people who've been competing at a super high level for, for many years. So that got harder. And then obviously that's the age of starting to try and to figure out how you pay for it all yourself rather than having to rely upon your parents for the most part. 
So there's a bit of that thrown in. And then I think I, I would, I'd had a bit of a dis- disagreement with the sponsor and I decided that the best thing to do would be to get out of Europe for a little while. So I got a job uh, making the rafting videos for at Narwhal Explorers with a guy called Davey. So I was there. I'd paddle for fun some of the time. The other times we were making the rafting videos, which meant that every night you'd be in the bar selling the DVD. And there's me and Anton, who was working together at the time, Anton Imler, Swedish kayak, and we were kind of best friends at the time. And we'd be just trying to outdo each other every day. So it'd be, we'd have, I think we made all kinds of bets that we had to run each under every day, or we'd have to buy a crate of beer. And we was every night just just in the bar basically and with that kind of abuse of drinking excessively not getting much sleep paddling hard all the time and not taking any care whatsoever for malaria or bilharzia or any other kind of stuff we i was just getting sick all the time uh, more so towards the end of it really but in the overall just it was the the worst thing you could probably do for your for your overall health in a very short space of time as good an experience as it was, it, it just, it couldn't go on like that forever, really, unless I wanted to have to live a long life. I think there was bets at the time that I wouldn't make it till 21, so I'm, I'm relieved I, uh, <laughs> I've outdone that. And that time while you were in Uganda, while you were working as uh, a video kayaker and kind of uh, surviving the dream, I guess is like fair to say, you met the lady who's now your wife, Katya, who's a, a Russian kayaker. Yeah, so we actually, we met, uh in 2008 actually first of all i think she was in uganda in april when i was there and she caught caught my attention but i was too shy to really say hello or anything and then in the world cups she was competing for the first time internationally and i was chasing her all around trying to impress her and failing miserably all, all that summer and but i knew she was coming to uganda that winter to train so i think as soon as she got to uganda i was basically hassling her the entire time until uh eventually she took pity on me i think and but she was at first we was obviously just partying together and doing everything as as we had been but she was a lot more motivated to get back into or to get in do better in competition having only just come into that world and she was very motivated for kayaking alongside everything else and so together we kind of shifted away from that sort of drinking culture and started to try to get better at kayaking so that winter would have been like, I think it'd be 2008, or it'd be 2009 winter. We left Uganda. So she went back to Russia to make visas. I went back to the UK after being uh, in Uganda for 11 months. And I only had a couple thousand dollars saved up from the time. Cause obviously being in the bar every day is not a great way of saving money. So in my, my mum's old car, we went and competed at all the events around Europe that year. And we'd stopped drinking, but we were just eating normal food at that point. And we did, both of us did pretty well that year in the Euro Cups and then, can't remember the exact chronology of it, but we ended up, I ended up winning the World Cups in 2010. And we'd, I think, a, a podium but mo- at most of the events that season. And then we went back to Uganda that winter to train to obviously get out the cold because no one wants that. And that's where uh, Katya first sort of tried a raw diet, which means only eating raw fruits and vegetables and a few seeds nuts that kind of thing and that's kind of what led us on to sort of properly taking charge of our health to a degree and for what I've kind of become known for I guess in in later years that's kind of been a large focus of what I do these days 
is talking about diet and health, especially um, what Katia does, because she works as a nutritionist nowadays, trying to treat quite seriously ill people using diet. It's not a case of we just did it originally so we could kayak better and do better in competition, where she's now working with people who just want to live and just want to get rid of whatever challenges they're facing, really. So it did impact our life in a huge way. And what we kind of spoke about in our in the the botched the botched first version of this <laughs> podcast I forgot to record um, was that the your like movement towards eating only fruits and vegetables and not cooking them and not eating any cooked food um, was like in your opinion it was like the the tip it was like the one thing that the other people who were also on the podium in that 2011 world weren't doing because it was like you versus Peter Chonka. You both had a lot of time at that platling wave. You both had very high scoring rides. You were both training like all the time for that, like a lot of that period that built up to it. But the the thing that you were doing that he wasn't was this kind of raw food um, diet lifestyle. I don't know what word you prefer to use for it. I like lifestyle. Um, do you think that's a fair comment? Like, and what, what were the advantages that you found from eating this way? Yeah, so uh, Peter was a huge inspiration into our, a lot of our approaches to kayaking at the time because he was one of the, f- not that many kayakers then, was approaching it in a sort of sports science way, tr- trying to look at all the things that they could do to perform better, doing some kind of strength training, that kind of thing. So I was hugely inspired by his approach. And he was winning most stuff uh, in the previous years. So he was kind of like the the Dane Jackson of the time, I suppose, before then. And um, so he, he sort of really inspired me that approach. That winter's when Katja first tried the raw vegan diet, then I tried it. And that was, we was try, approaching it as a means to, one, avoid sickness, and two, get stable energy levels and perform better. And it was just, we just wanted it to try anything we could that would help us give a, a better chance of doing well in kayaking, really. And... Um, benefits wise i think the main things it did for me was it stabilized my energy level so before some sessions would go out and i'd have tons of energy and i'd, I'd be paddling really well but then the next session i'd have like nothing in the tank i just couldn't couldn't do I, and this is even on like a normal what by a normal diet would be considered probably quite healthy i just wasn't getting the energy like stable energy levels that could count on every time and when we switched to a raw diet for me, the, the biggest thing was that my energy levels stabilized, not immediately, but within a couple of weeks of, and after getting used to kind of eating that kind of food. And especially as it got further and further in, I felt better and better that I could pretty much rely on that whatever I needed to do, I'd have some energy for it. And then it's just a case of the recovery speed, like not getting like lots of, lots of people getting all kinds of muscle pairs of stuff in paddling, just from paddling so hard every day not high impact but the, the water's uh, very tough on your body there especially when you're doing like big long sessions on the water all the time so a lot of people is getting all kinds of uh, muscle tears and that kind of like minor injury but that slows you down a bit and we just weren't feeling that and we was needing a little bit less sleep than i think we did beforehand so it was just recovering better wasn't getting any infections wasn't getting sick and i i, I don't attribute everything to diet at the time there's like a whole load of factors we were basically trying everything we could to do well and training super hard and making sure we was there all the time and trying to figure out all kinds of new moves and stuff and ways to maximize the scoring but in my mind the diet did play a huge part of it and also the motivational aspect um, played into it that 
there weren't many vegan athletes at the time and there certainly wasn't i didn't know of any real raw vegan athletes and we were getting an awful lot of sort of ridicule and jokes from people making comments about what we're eating and that obviously it's not what people considered then to be the ideal athlete diet they thought it was what, what on earth are you doing so there's a lot of there's quite a bit of motivation to kind of show that what we were doing worked and uh, what better way was there than to, to try and put it into practice at worlds and um yeah and that was kind of it went so well and we just sort of just kept going with it yeah i think uh Win, winning is the best revenge for uh, for those people who are like, what What are you doing? You're stupid. Well, uh, people weren't nasty, really. It was just, it's, I can well understand. It's very outside, especially for then. It would be very outside of what people would think to do. So I don't really, now, now look, at the time it bothered me. Now looking back, I just kind of see it as inevitable, really. And that's what you expect to happen in that sort of situation and trying something new that you would expect that people might not necessarily understand it the same way uh, that you do when you've read into it and experienced it for yourself. I think uh, even, even now, like now, obviously it's like really trendy to do, you know, vegan things. And there's lots more people who are like uh, looking into that, like what you eat as a, as a way to improve your performance. But even now to say to someone like, I'm not eating anything that gets cooked is, is still, it's a lot of steps, right? It's a lot of layers on top of from like, if you're eating like standard American diet or whatever, or um, it's a lot, that's a lot of steps away from just like not eating meat or not eating dairy or like not <laughs> eating fish or not eating. It's like, you've removed a lot of things and then you've taken this big thing of cooking, uh, which is like, you know, another level almost. Um, so I think even, even now it's like a lot, there's a lot more it's stuff going lot, on in the plant-based world, but it's, I don't know. Do you do you do you notice like right now? There's a lot of people who are interested in like the raw food thing versus just the regular like plant-based whole foods life. Well, plant-based and vegan has definitely took off in a massive way in, in recent years. Even amongst kayakers, a lot lot more kayakers now. Like, I think yourself included have got interested in pl- eating a plant-based diet. And Jed and there's a whole bunch of paddlers that have and Rush who've I think for the most part dabbled or do eat that way for a large part. So the vegan diet has definitely changed. In a, in a huge way in those years. Um, as for a raw food diet, I, I'm, I can't be 100% sure. Maybe it's just the fact that I see more people from that world these days, but I do think there's more awareness of it, definitely, especially in like the plant-based world. Um, and in certain kind of athletic fields, especially endurance sports, there's already quite a, not a large number, but a certain, a, a reasonable sized amount of athletes are, considering or in some way moving towards or eating some form of a raw diet um but yes it is still absolutely a niche and i think even today it's for a lot of people they'll have never heard of it for sure especially if you're coming from a standard american diet it's, it is a huge jump yeah and at the start of your again this i'm going to pick on some more points that we talked about in the failed podcast uh, version of this podcast at the start of your kind of shift into this it was logistically quite simple because you and Katya lived in the van. Uh, you didn't have a kitchen. You didn't have a blender. You didn't have tools. You, you didn't have very much. So like logistically, it's very simple to eat a raw foods lifestyle because it's like easy to just buy vegetables and eat them. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like, so we had like an ideal, uh, inadvertently, we wasn't planned that way, but we just had the ideal situation for someone who's switching on to it. First of all, because we first tried it in Uganda when there was, Again, we was living in a tent and 
there was no kitchen. We didn't have enough money to be going to restaurants all the time. And there's like an absolute abundance of delicious tropical fruits and avocados and tomatoes, all kinds of stuff. And then when we went back into Europe to compete, again, we was living out the back of the van. So we didn't have a kitchen. We didn't have, we weren't staying in hotels. We weren't near any restaurants, cafes, that kind of thing. So it was very easy to, it wasn't really a struggle to stick to it because there wasn't really another option we left that like stove behind that time so there wasn't any temptation there you left your and stove behind yeah we didn't bring a stove so you were like you were like no plan b you were no plan no, b no. on raw foods no no well well like we'd, we'd already been doing it i think for two or three months in uganda maybe and then so we already kind of felt pretty by that point we'd gone through like a, the, the initial struggle of figuring out what to eat and uh, like going i would I'd lost, already put on the weight that i'd lost in the first couple of months so and i was feeling good so it wasn't too uh i didn't feel like a lack like it logically made sense to be like no not no other animals in nature eat cooked food and that kind of made logical sense and i felt it working so there wasn't really a, a gamble there it's more like so, so oh, let's talk about something you, let's talk about something you just said for a second so um again we talked about this in the, the the failed version of this podcast but when you started, you lost quite a lot of weight and you looked pretty unhealthy for a period. And then you bounced back and came back to like your healthy weight. Like you're not a big guy anyway, but you you had a period where you did look like very thin and, and like you maybe needed to eat a little bit more. Um, do you want <laughs> yeah, to talk us so, through that and what, what the how you got around that? Yes, yeah, so it happens to like a lot of people when they switch to a raw diet especially as long as they're eating enough because obviously there's what you could lose weight by just not eating enough which i don't think was uh, the case so as long as you're having enough calories it's this is like an additional thing so if your body's being built on what what i would call well i i or didn't eat healthily in the past when i was when i was younger and then i'd switch to a, a healthier diet but still you know like lots of cooked food lots of meat that kind of thing which i think is suboptimal for how our bodies evolved to eat and then when we switched on this raw diet which was just full of fresh vegetables and, and fruits and stuff which is i think as close as i can think of to our optimal diet based on my understanding i think your body's trying to get rid of all like your body stores all kinds of toxins and i've been taking all kinds of alcohol and whatnot over the years so there must have been all kinds of toxins and things from all the malaria medication and stuff i've been taking and well, all the kinds of junk stored in all your fat and muscle tissue. So I think what happens is that you lose, when you first switch to an optimal kind of diet, your body finally gets a, a bit of a break and it's like, well, let's get rid of all the crap and we can rebuild this as long as you're physically active every day, which we were because we were just paddling. So I still felt fine, but I did get very, very skinny. So I looked a bit gaunt in my face and I was getting quite a bit of comments because obviously what I was doing was pretty unusual. Um, and that was really like over the first month or two that was like that. And then by the third month is when it sort of came back on pretty quickly. So I like to say I've always been pretty slim. So it was just that I went excessively skinny for the first, but it, by the second month I was excessively skinny and then it started to come back. And by the third month I was sort of back to looking healthy again. I had the colour in my cheeks again. And I was essentially just because I was working with my body, it sort of rebuilt itself back to sort of a usual sort of healthy weight again for, for my sort of body type and did you guys uh did you like consult with your doctor before you started making this switch or do you just just go all in on it 
No, we just went all in. I mean, like we switched in Uganda, so we didn't have like any access to doctors. We didn't even really have internet. We like we didn't even realize it was that radical a thing. Really, we didn't think about it uh, a huge amount, other than it made sense to us when we thought about it and what we'd read from people's experience who had done it. Um, made it made sense, and then I think I mentioned in the fa- failed bit, but I mentioned. So I read an article by Kelly Slater saying that he tried this, and he's obviously 11 times world champion surfer. He tried a raw diet at some point and felt a lot of benefits, just struggled to maintain it with his lifestyle. So it, I just kind of felt confident, and we, we didn't really – well, given how I'd been abusing my body for the prior, previous – like, well, not the year before, but the year before that, so two years back, whatever I was doing now could, couldn't – be anything com- close to a risk compared to had, how I had been uh, abusing it. So this could only be a good thing. And like you'd quickly see that if it wasn't working, like we didn't know it would for sure work, but we felt good initially. And if we would have started to feel rubbish, we'd have just changed it. I mean, it was, we was not that hung up on it. wasn't even anything about being vegan for it. It's more just about um, performance. So if, it, if we started to feel rubbish or we hadn't been performing well, like we started to suck at kayaking or sucking competition we'd have just tried something else we only stuck with it because it worked at least for us yeah i think if it, you know as a general rule of life if it's good enough for kelly slater that's like a that's a good baseline for a lot of things and i think it's <laughs> fair to say that like pie pringle was was pretty next level in the in the nuts category so it's it, you're right it's not like you could have done literally anything probably and seen a bit of a bump but to go the the furthest steps away from party Pringle is probably going to see the biggest, um, the biggest upswing, right? Yeah, I think, uh, so it, it was quite a funny period. Cause I think that's when I got re I got re nicknamed just James because people <laughs> thought I'd, I'd gone very boring. So in the space of like a year and a half, I went from like drinking a bottle of vodka in a funnel and like setting myself on fire and like trying to do backflips to, quitting drinking and only eating raw fruits and vegetables and devoting my entire effort to just doing competitions in holes pretty pretty much so i got re-nicknamed just james for a period of time because people was uh, so disappointed by my by my uh, <laughs> decisions until it started to pay off and after you won world championships in 2011 there you and katya have been on a little bit of a um a journey in terms of moving around what your lifestyle is like away from kayaking a little bit and more into help like kind of promoting health and wellness in other people do you want to tell us a little bit about the what you've been up to in that in what you did in that time and and then i want to circle back to some more recent kayaking but let's talk about what what you were doing to promote this uh lifestyle that you found and have taken to so in terms of the like the the raw diet or lifestyle whichever you want to call it really for this been catch has been the most involved person with certainly with working with other people and helping sick people with it because it, it, it impacted her uh, a huge amount and like she, her mum switched to it and she completely changed her health and Kat has been the real spearhead of it and I kind of went a separate well we were still living that way but I actually went off the diet in so I went after 2015 worlds I wanted to get a bit of a profession because I realized I was getting older and I probably couldn't rely on kayaking as a means to support myself till I'm an old man. So I, I wanted to sort of take my filmmaking skills from paddling and sort of take that on a next level. So 
I made a mistake and got an absolutely shitty job working for someone I don't I didn't don't like, and um, in the hope that I'd learn more about filmmaking that kind of thing. And in that situation, it was just and I wasn't paddling much at all, or if I wasn't really paddling at all in 2015, uh, 2016, uh, till 2018 is when I started again. And like when you took away like the the dopamine that you get from paddling and being social with people and in that kind of uh, fun environment, it became an awful lot harder to stick to a raw diet. So that's when I sort of went off, uh, went off the diet, and then I sort of went back onto it as soon as I got really motivated for kayaking again. Um, and then in, it's my journey to sort of telling other people about the raw diet and stuff has really happened in this last couple of years, kind of alongside my return to sort of paddling and competing is that we've been more involved in sort of the raw vegan community, talking at events, my, me telling my story about kayaking, about what the switching to this diet's done to uh, assist with my performance over the years and the fact I can sort of still, still sort of manage to get by doing it. Um, and then alongside that, helping Katya a bit, yeah. Uh, and then as I've kind of got into a better place with my filmmakers, obviously now I do a lot of TV ads, that kind of thing, and then the occasional expedition when I'm very fortunate. So I've sort of kind of matured, I guess, degree and sort of found our place a little bit more, not only in, not just in paddling, but sort of in the wider world and how to support yourself and that kind of way. And it's sort of given how much health has helped us as to what our lifestyle has given, sharing that alongside the message of sports and a healthy, active lifestyle and incorporating a good diet, whether that be a vegan diet or a raw vegan diet, obviously I understand no, like it's impossible that no one ev not everyone in the world is going to be able or want to switch to a raw vegan diet but if everyone includes a greater amount of fresh fruit and vegetables cooked or not that will be a great benefit to people's health so I've kind of been both of us are kind of trying to share a bit of that to the, as much of the world as we can through whatever means open up to us yeah, I think it's uh, to to think of to imagine a future where everybody is on the whole foods plant based or like raw whole foods plant based lifestyle. It seems unreasonable, but if more and more people were interested in it, say a few days a week, um, I think that that would have a, a big impact. Like, there's a ton of websites and podcasts out there if people are interested in that space for the impact that would have environmentally, the impact that would have on people's health, the impact that would have economically on our healthcare system by reducing the people who are like crippled by long-term diseases and like diabetes and uh, heart disease, high cholesterol, stroke, all that stuff that can be like, that can be reduced just by changing what you eat a little bit. Um, you know, on the, on the front end, it would save the economy a lot of money on the back end um, with, with not having to deal with all the like kind of negative health implications of that. And I think if more people were more interested in that, some of the time, not even all the time, there would be such a big impact that we will, we will all see a noticeable shift. Um, but I think it's really great that we can point to examples uh, like you and Katya, where you can say, this was the, the tipping point thing that got me over the edge to being world champion, because that was really the only difference between what you were doing and what Peter was doing in at that 2011 time period. Like if that's the tipping point and you saw that small bit of advantage, imagine what... As a, an advantage that could be to someone who's just like semi-interested in better bettering their performance right yeah sure like it's for me like 
you do kind of need the extreme examples in the world to show what's possible to a degree on a, in a certain way of things because I, I do very much understand that not everyone's going to do what what I do eating wise and that kind of thing and in certain situations and under certain conditions it's not even the best thing and I'm not such a stickler for like if people eat meat once a week for example and for the rest of the time they eat vegetables and eat a vegan diet or whatever that's better than someone who's probably even just vegetarian for example so it's like I'm not such a uh, what would you call it it's not the, the, it, the expression like, I, I like I most people for yeah, their the... choices because it's everyone's in their own what like background what they've grown up with what they're doing so I'm not particularly judgmental in what people are doing but I for sure want to encourage uh, people to include more vegetables and fruits into their diet in whatever means they might do that and the expression the I like most is um, it's not all or nothing it's all or something yeah yeah and um so anyway we just touched on expedition kayaking and then i wanted to talk to you about uh the the recent expedition you did with um steve um uh what's his name steve uh bagshaw, bagshaw yeah like the 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 great adventure guy like the, the british bbc like not bear grills type fellow but like the more legit like outdoorsy um version like the better version of bear, bear grills on tv um what what did you do talk us through that and then where were you what was the project and then if you could talk about how you maintained your eating fruits and vegetables on a big expedition yeah so um i was a like so i met steve backshaw who's a well-renowned like a, a very well-respected uh, tv presenter in the uk he does wildlife tv shows and sometimes wildlife slash adventure expedition kind of projects so he's done a few big big projects over the years and a couple of kayaking ones and I met him um, at, shortly after One Worlds um, to be a guest showing off freestyle kayaking on his uh, kids' TV show that was at the time called uh, Live and Deadly. And we kind of bumped into each other every now and then when he'd be sort of coming to Nottingham to train with David Bain for his um, Papua New Guinea expedition. And he knew I'd been doing more and more video work and was doing it at a reasonably uh, decent level. So then... Uh, I got invited in on the project to run the Chamkachu River, which is the first descent in Bhutan, so in the, in the Himalayas, to come on board as a kayaker slash to get some sort of um, additional footage to go alongside the main camera. So I got in, invited on this trip, which for a paddler who's primarily a freestyle paddler and for the most part paddling artificial courses is a, a great privilege, really, to get that opportunity. Yeah, no doubt. And so we went, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's I was very very lucky really to get invited on the project and then um, so we went to this amazing river in like the most pristine stunning country I've ever been to it's got 75% tree cover it's the like only carbon positive country in the world as far as I'm aware and it's absolutely absolutely stunning and we got we got to paddle paddle down this river for a week and so you mentioned about a, a raw diet which of course is a challenge in that situation because raw foods by the fact that they're not uh, dehydrated are heavy for a start and there was quite a bit of vegetables there but there wasn't a huge selection of fruit it's very high up in the mountains and I, I brought a lot of well, the production brought me a lot of knack bars which is a, a I don't know if you get them in in North America but it's a like a raw date and kind of nut nut bar thing so they brought me I think hundreds of the things 
And uh, my idea was that when I'd get there, I'd be able to see whatever was available and get enough of it to bring with us. And originally, we were going to be raft supported with um, the main camera, and they'd obviously bring some some food along uh, along with it. But a few things happened. One was that when we got there, there just wasn't a great amount of fruit available. And the like bananas, which is kind of a staple when you don't have access to a, a great range of stuff and you don't have a garden and that kind of thing to get what I'd ordinarily be looking for. And wasn't avocado and stuff. Lots of the, the things that are quite calorie dense that you'd normally want to include just weren't available. And the bananas just were, weren't ripe at all. So you couldn't, you just couldn't eat enough of them. So I did manage to maintain a raw diet for like first two thirds of the expedition. And then the river was not suitable for the raft to come with us, which meant that it was just the kayakers got left to their own and sort of joined in the evening by um, the team sort of to charge stuff and offload bushes, that kind of thing. Um, and then the last bit, I just ended up on like the, the last like third of the, the trip, I ended up on uh, whatever kind of like expedition, you know, freeze dried, whatever was, was left. A lot combined with like some dried fruit, nuts and... Um, whatever I could get get hold of really that was suitable for me as best, as best as I could. So I've got a few ideas for the future of if I get involved in any other expedition things of how to sort of be a bit better prepared, bringing some more dehydrated stuff, which ordinarily I wouldn't really eat. But having gone through that, because that was my first expedition experience really. Uh, so I didn't fully understand everything involved, especially combining that with my diet. So I've got a few things that I'm going to try out uh, if I get involved in another project and uh, I'll let you know how that goes. Well, what were some differences you noticed for that last third of the trip when you had to kind of just eat the dehydrated, whatever, like, you know, you, you don't have as much control of what you're eating. Um, did you notice any negative impacts or was it just like, yeah, whatever? No, like, I, I didn't know. Like, to, like, to, to like, you're also noticing like in normal athletes that like when you're like super physically active, you can to some degree get away with eating whatever for a small window or for like especially if you've been eating well for a period beforehand but because your body's working so hard it'll just use whatever you put in because like, i was getting up at like seven in the morning it was cold we was like lugging kayaks around camera gear around so and then obviously the mental you're running a first descent and in a lot of cases i'd be going first or on my own down sections to try and get ahead to get a shot so mentally, it's very taxing. So you're burning tons of energy. And in that environment, especially for, for like three, three or four days or whatever it was when I was having, I and mean, I still was having some raw stuff in there included with it, whatever I could find that was left. It was kind of, I was just going a bit half and half to make it last and just to get enough food in just because it was working so hard. But I can't say I noticed any uh, adverse um, effects for such a short, short window. And then afterwards, it was pretty, like, you didn't have a negative, like, coming like coming back onto it. You didn't have any, like, negative poop impacts. Yeah, for the most part, because I've been doing it so long, like, if I'm, like, if I'm doing nothing, if I'm not being physically active, and I just suddenly eat some, like, cooked food or something, I definitely feel it the next day, because that's kind of, like, once, of course, like, it's not like we've been fully raw the entire time. Of course, like, we'd go to some, especially because, we was for the early years of it especially was motivated purely for performance so when we'd be in like a social setting like a family party or a christmas or something of course we'd try some of like the cooked things and you'd notice that you'd feel it the next day especially if it's something particularly like heavy or processed 
but that wasn't our, for the most part we'd be fully raw and um because we've been doing it so long now that especially, especially if you're not eating something that's especially horrific if you're just having for example i don't know some lentils for some, or something or some steamed vegetables or something simple like that personally like especially in that situation i don't it's not going to as long as it's not a regular thing that i'm doing all the time i'm not going to know not going to notice and unless it's something very heavy or toxic like i say then you do, really do feel it interesting interesting stuff i that was kind of a, a real curiosity i had when i was making notes this morning i was like oh i wonder how that how you manage the expedition piece and what it was like afterwards um so the last thing i want to talk about then pringle and then uh is the the book that you've recently released uh, i think you co-wrote it with katia or you did most of the writing of it uh, which is called Juicing for Health and Performance, which is a book about the benefits of uh, drinking vegetable juices. Do you want to give us a lowdown? I'm going to butcher it if I do the lowdown. <laughs> yeah, sure. So like juicing is something we've kind of incorporated more and more this last uh, five years as a means of getting like, extra greens and vegetables in alongside salads and stuff. Because obviously if you eat stuff completely unprocessed, like just as a salad form, you won't consume as much of those nutrients as if you were to juice it so juicing has kind of become more and more of a thing especially as we've been more in the uk we've had a lot more apples and vegetables and that kind of thing uh, and leaves from the garden available and i made so so i wrote the book in lockdown so i stuck at home without much to do and i'm staying with my parents so they're getting on a bit nowadays and i was conscious that what could I do in this time? One, to keep me busy and two, to keep them healthy. Um, so I was thinking, I was making juice every day anyway and it's time to give them it. And then Katya suggested that I should just photograph all the juices, write down all the ingredients I used and make a book out of it and sort of put put my thoughts down on over all this juicing. So over the course of our lockdown, I think I did it over 30 days, uh, making healthy juices for the for the whole time trying to include lots and lots of greens, watery vegetables like cucumber, celery, and then a few few fruits, which are usually use apples. So stuff that is readily available, not hugely expensive, and a lot of stuff you can just forage in the in your garden or in the nearby areas, like edible weeds, lots of things like that that you can include. Um, and I put that together and sort of finished that. And it sort of kept me sane in lockdown, kept my parents healthy, and, and I just started sort of, seeing what I can do with that nowadays and giving it to people who I think could really need it and set, selling it over my Instagram. Um, yeah, no, I'm still sort of working out where, what to do with it next. I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite proud of it really. It's my first ever effort really at trying to write and put down some of my thoughts and knowledge and collate it together from what I've learned from juicing and from the wider context of uh, diet as well. Yeah, I read it. I, I bought it this morning and I read it uh, in, in the run up to filming this. And I, I thought it was really well, uh, well produced. And the photos are obviously beautiful and the recipes look fairly simple to follow. But I was really interested in some of the, the in-between parts that you'd written down um, about as a, as a way to getting more nutrients in, uh, because you obviously wouldn't be able to you could get more nutrients with the fiber taken out. But one of the things I was interested in is that fiber is obviously really important for your microbiome and really important for your health, your greater health. And I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about how you're using juicing as an addition to eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and not as a replacement. Because I think it's a lot of people look at it, they hear the word juice fast and they're like, 
oh, you're only drinking juice. That's really bad for you. Like blah, blah, blah. Um, and I wanted to just see if we could talk a little bit about the benefits of fiber because you do need hella fiber in your diet. It's really important. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, fiber obviously is hugely important. You use it to basically help with your excretory functions and get rid of a lot of dead cells and toxins in your body. If you're not getting fiber as part of your diet, you're going to struggle to do those functions as efficiently or as well as when you have it included. So for the most part, when I'm talking about juicing in the book and in general, I'm meaning it as an addition to having a fiber-rich whole food diet of including lots of fresh salads, fresh fruits in the whole form, not in a smoothie form all the time. So it's to, as a boost to get those extra nutrients in, whether that be to help if you're struggling with health problems or just want to boost your immune system or whether you're, you're a very active athlete. So if you're an athlete who's doing an awful lot and physically you'll use a lot more minerals and nutrients than someone who's sat in an office all day, so your requirements will be different. And like a, a juice fast in its own right can be a useful thing to do for a short period of time to, for example, help you overcome a health issue perhaps, or to sort of reset yourself to a degree. But as an overall thing, you, you can't live off juices all the time. That's not sustainable. That's not one, you won't get enough calories because you're not, you're not going to be able to do it until it's unsustainable. But I'm talking primarily as using a juice as a as a supplement, I suppose, to sort of give yourself a boost. And you were using a lot of these antioxidants to help get rid of stuff that we're accumulating in a world that's greater and greater uh, in pollution and help us deal with that sort of situation and fortify our health, really. Yeah, I think it's it was a really interesting piece because I've been on the kind of whole foods, plant-based um, lifestyle for, I guess, about 18 months now, but I, I cook all my food. Um, and I eat a variety of fruits and vegetables and stuff. And I mainly switched like kind of a similar situation to you and Katia, where I was like, okay, I'm looking for, I'm looking, I'm getting older. I'm looking for every edge I can get to keep up with the kids. Cause, um, you know, they're, they're coming at you all the time and they're younger and faster and they're running bigger waterfalls and throw more, throw more tricks and you got to keep up. So I've been looking for those competitive edges as, as much, wherever I can find them really. And I, I really enjoy um you know whole foods plant based is like the the it was like an experiment i tried that i've stuck with um and i've seen a big difference in myself in terms of like how i feel energy levels and stuff but the addition um the additional idea that you kind of laid out in your book that i thought was really interesting was just getting all these additional like an ex another another boost of like minerals and vitamins and antioxidants that i might be missing out on um, as a like a supplementary aid, if you like, and I th I thought that was really interesting and, and a, another way to look at juices because I'd previously looked at juices just like no fiber, no point, I don't want to do that. Um, uh, having read your book, now I'm more interested in saying like, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll just experiment with this a little bit and see what the outcome of it is. Yeah, the other thing to add probably is where a lot of people go wrong with juices is they make them very very sweet, so they'll put an awful lot of sweet fruit in there and when you haven't got the fiber there it'll kind of work on you much the same way as like a coca-cola would or like a super sweet drink that you'll get a huge spike in your blood sugar which will one trigger your appetite the next day because your insulin has to rise to deal with it so i keep my juices just sweet enough 
to make it tasty. So like all the juices are tasty, but they're not like insanely sweet or anything. For the most part, I'm using it just to get in um, the extra nutrients and, and stuff that will help keep you healthy. And also partly as a means to make it palatable for my parents as well. So juicing something that as long as you're not making them in a way that using ingredients that makes them taste horrible or not balancing the taste right with them, it's something that everyone can incorporate whatever the rest of their diet is so obviously there's an optimum of what you could be you could be on a whole food plant-based diet juicing eating tons of salads all these things and that would be great but for a lot of people they'll just be having their usual junk food but if they can include some amount of those nutrients in that they're probably not getting from the rest of their diet that can be that could make a huge difference for them probably more of a difference than for someone who's already on a pretty healthy diet um but for me it's just trying to find ways to help my parents find something that I enjoy doing and also we're having abundance of apples here every winter and and greens and uh, it's ways to use all those produce uh well as well yeah for sure I I really enjoyed it and I, I thoroughly recommend people go check it out where can people check it out if they're interested in uh in reading it um on the on the internet uh probably the easiest way is to go to my Instagram and just the links in the bio uh, my Instagram is just my name, James Bebbington. So it's uh, James followed by B-E-B-B-I-N-G-T-O-N. Um, and the link's in the bio. Or you can also get to it through Mind and Catcher's website, which we've just started, um, which is masteringhumanbehavior.com. That also has a link to it. Right on. I think um, I've kind of chatted about everything I wanted to chat about, Pringle. I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I'm really hyped that as you had time to rehash a lot of the great conversation we had in the failed version of this podcast. And I thank you deeply for your patience. Um, but I also think people are going to, uh, I hope people are more interested in taking uh, a harder look about what they're eating and making some, some changes to their, to their health that could improve their kayaking. Cause really that's, kind of the the underlying theme of this podcast is always like i'm just looking for ways to improve my kayaking and i think secretly people just listen along because they're just trying to improve as well <laughs> so i i'm certainly enjoyed reading your book this morning and i am certainly going to try uh juicing some things and and adding adding that in and as a little uh as a little sideline thing and see how it goes maybe record the results um is there anything you want to finish off with or want to talk about before we before we call it yeah, well, thanks, thanks for having me, Seth. And I hope I haven't, I hope I remembered to talk about uh, enough about kayaking in the one sec second version. Um, but yeah, like like I say, diet has been a huge part of what's helped me in kayaking, and it's hard for me to talk about one one without the other. Um, yeah, well, just uh, thanks for having me. If anyone has any questions, feel free to send me a message. Um, yeah, and I look forward to hearing how you get on, Seth. I, uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted. All right, this has been Seth Ashworth and James Pringle-Bebbington. Questions you never thought to ask, the Whitewater Kiking Podcast. Peace.